All right, if you have your Bibles, flick over to Proverbs chapter 18. Proverbs 18. Last week we spoke about seeking God first and we looked, learned how to receive from God. Yeah? We also learned that you've got to walk in faith. We also got to walk in patience. And I sort of want to continue on from there because one of the things about receiving from God is, and you get into his way of doing things, and it says, you know, the basis of it is to seek God first and his way of living. That's what righteousness is. And he'll add all these things unto you. So in other words, if you put God first and his way of doing things, so his way of handling, we're talking mainly about finances, but it applies to anything. His way of handling your finances, if you start to think the way he does and walk the way he does, um, we talked about putting the word in, that when you start to do that, you start to walk in faith. And Hebrews 11.6, that without faith it's impossible to please God. And who wants to please God? Yeah? Okay, half of us want to please God. The rest of us aren't sure. That's all right. We'll get there by the end. And as she says that God delights, he takes pleasure in your prosperity. But sometimes there's a gap in it because you start to seek God and you start to live his way and things are still the same. And it's like, hold on, isn't this supposed to change? Because we like everything to happen instantly, don't we? That's why people play lotto. They want that instant change, yeah? But we also learned last week that sometimes God takes time in the process because he's adjusting us. He's moving us so that we're in a position that we can handle the blessing he wants to give to us. Or he's moving things around because it affects other people. And so there's this gap. And this is why faith and patience work together. Because faith is believing something that you haven't yet physically received, right? You've received it, then there's no faith involved, right? So this is where patience kicks in. And patience is one of those words that nobody likes. Because patience is what really stretches us. Patience is really where faith kicks in. And you discover how much faith you do or don't have. So what do you do while you're waiting to receive what you're believing for? Because we know, like we said, one of the first things we said was that God's word is true, right? And that has to be your starting point when it comes to faith, that no matter what your circumstances say, you have to have the approach that God's word is the final authority and truth. And if your experience does not match God's word, then God's word is not going to change. So therefore, your experience has to change. Does that make sense? All right, we talked about facts and truth. God's word is truth. What you're experiencing are the facts. The facts have to change to meet truth. If you're struggling with that, when you walked in this room, it was somewhere between 9.30 and 10 o'clock. That was the fact. Now things have moved. It's now, what, nearly 25 to 11. Facts change. Yeah? Truth does not. And you need the facts in your life to line up with the truth of God's word. And that's where patient kicks in. So what do you do while you're being patient? 
This is where most people kill off their seed and they kill off God prospering them. Because they start to do the wrong thing. And the wrong thing is speaking the wrong thing. And we want to talk about the power of your words. Because Proverbs 18.21 says, Death and life are in the power of what? Whose tongue? Our tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruit. In other words, you will eat the fruit of what you say. You're going to eat your words. This is the original one. You're going to eat your words. I can always remember a Pearly Gates cartoon. You remember those where you got, you know, God up there and, and, and there's St. Peter and they're sort of floating in the clouds and looking down on earth. And Peter's sitting there and he's saying, turkey, bacon, ham, cream pie. God said, what are you doing? He says, oh, I'm just in case I have to eat my words. I'm making sure they're good ones. <laughs> hey, didn't write it, just said it. All right? <laughs> but life and death are in the power of your tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruit. You will eat the fruit of what you say. You will live and die by what you say. Because what you say is what you actually believe. When the pressure's on, when things are challenging, what you do and say comes out. And that's what you really believe. But you can change that. Let, let me just give you a quick illustration. I need, I need a volunteer. So I'm going to pick on Monica because she's, she's into words. <laughs> Stand up, Monica. All right. Now, I want you to imagine I have come from something like the West Indies. All right? So it's hot there. So I never, ever wear a jacket. All right? So I've come to visit you. I'm in your house, it's cold and rainy outside, all right, and I ring you up on the phone, all right, and I'm saying to you, it's cold, you told me something about a jacket, I want to put it on, tell me how to put it on, because I don't know how to put it on, so I need you to turn around, because we're on the phone, all right, I'm going to put my microphone down, actually you have that, because then I can hear you, all right, I want you to instruct me on how to put the jacket on. You're on the phone, remember, so you can't see. You can't say that. <laughs> pick up the pick up the jacket by the um, the two pieces that are like long, like they look like they belong in your arms. So take it, put it on your back, put the whole jacket on your back, and then put an arm in each of the uh, long pieces. Do you know what a collar is? A collar is a thing that goes up the top near your neck. Do you understand English? <laughs> Probably should have started with that. Probably should have started, started with that. So are the long pieces that belong, you know, like your arms are long? Put your arms through the long pieces. But the the majority of it has to be on your back. No, no, no. The the uh, the parts in between the the long pieces have to be on your back. Oh. 
You don't understand English. You told me to pick it up and put it on my back. So I put it on my back and then put my long arm through the long thing. All right, it's challenging, isn't it? I mean, she was never going to win. I was never going to do the right thing, was I? <laughs> but words are powerful, and how you, how you use your words, if you use your... I did the illustration to show you. If you use your words wrong and just assume and do what you've always done and assume it's always the same, you're going to end up with the wrong result. All right? I mean, they told it was on the floor already, which didn't make it, you know... You can't do that with the phone. But, I mean, see, when Monica did it, she made assumptions. Like, put it on your back. She assumed that I would automatically put it around the way we put it around. I put a jacket around. Okay? Whereas if I was not aware that's what I was supposed to do, then I would do that as I did it. Just chuck it over my back. This is how we are when we come to God and we come to this and we start stepping into faith and we start to use our words, we start to do what we've always done. And we wonder why we don't end up with the result that we need. Because we use the same words we've always used in every situation. And the thing about walking with God and about stepping into faith is it changes how you approach life. All right, you know, they say that the pig, even the pig will work out eventually if it goes to the trough and tries to eat from the trough and you drop a, pig block, drop a, block, a brick on its head. Eventually the pig's going to work out by going to that trough, the brick is going to fall on its head. And works that it has to change it. We're the same. We need to change how we speak, the words that we say, the way we see ourselves if we want to step into what God has. Because in that period between where you're believing God and actually you receive what you're believing for is where the real test of faith is. And it's in that point that your words are life and death. It's like when a farmer goes out and they plant seeds in the ground. All right? And he puts the seed in there, sows the whole field. He doesn't go out the next day and expect there to be a crop standing up like this. You know, you might walk out the next day and go, what's happened? I planted all that seed. I watered it. I fertilized it. What's going on? So he gets his shovel out and starts digging up the seed to see if it's all right. Goes on holiday for a couple of weeks, comes back. There's still not much there. So he goes out with the shovel again and starts digging up the seed. Oh, it's still there. It's got little sprouty things on it. But, you know, what's going on? No, the farmer has to wait. He puts the seed in the ground. He cares for the seed until it grows fully. But I think as Christians, often we're too busy out there digging our seed up. What's happened to it? Where's it gone? What's going on? Why haven't I received what I'm believing for? I sowed towards this. It should be happening. What's going wrong? And we start to dig up our seed, or it starts to grow a bit and we harvest it too early. You have to stay in faith and patience. And that comes by the words of your mouth because your words are powerful. They are life and death for you. And I don't think the church has really grabbed this because we talk some absolute rubbish. Don't we? Go to Genesis chapter 1. I want us to really get I know we've talked about this, Paul, but I want us to really, really get this to start to change how we think about ourselves. 
Okay, this is the very beginning, all right? Now, I want to start with how did God bring about creation? He spoke it. All right, wasn't it the far side cartoon of Jesus sitting there, or God sitting there, and he had this table with his Play-Doh, and he's rolling the Play-Doh out into long things and going, oh, these snakes are easy to make. But that's not how he made it. It says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, it was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And there's a whole sermon in there, we won't go there. Then God said, let there be light. If you want to go to the literal translation in the Hebrew, it says, God said, light be. And it was. And then verse 6, he says, let there be firmament in the midst of the waters. Let it divide the waters from the sea. He said, firmament be. We just padded all that in our English. He spoke what he wanted and said, be. Verse 9, water be. Dry land, be, and so on and so forth. All the way through, he spoke to things and said to be. He said it and it came about. So God's words are powerful, right? Did you know that you are like God? And Psalm 8 talks about that as she describes you as God's. Now, that's probably a good 20-minute theological unpacking that I don't want to do now because of time, all right, and practicalities. But take my word for it that the book, it actually describes you there as gods, as having the same authority in that. And if you go down to, to Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26, it says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creepy thing that creeps on the earth. So you've got authority over creeps. So God created man in his own image. The image of God he created in male and female, he created them. So God created you in his image, in his likeness. In other words, you look like God. All right? It's not about your body. It's about your spirit. The real you is inside you. This is just like your transportation, what you can see. The real you is in there, made in the image of God and with the same dominion and authority of God here on earth. This is why Jesus said, whatever you bind on earth is bound in the heavens. And whatever you loose on earth is loosed in the heavens. In other words, what you say will have effect in your life. Because you're made in God's image and he has given you the authority. And we, we try and do the humble thing and go, oh, no, that can't be right. You know, We can't be like God. You are like God. You're not God, get that right. But you are made like God. You know, Isaac came into our, our room yesterday and Dale and I were sitting there and, and talking and, and he came in and, and Isaac's really into horses big time. Like, it's almost that obsession point, you know. And, and Dale's computer, her laptop was sitting on the bed 
and, um, and he came in and flipped it open and he starts typing in the search for horses. Because he'll, he'll get up in the morning, he did it this morning. I was sitting out here at, at the table having, having sort of got, having a coffee and talking with Jesus and, and he comes out about quarter past six and, you know, and he says, can I jump on the computer? I know he's going to do it when he gets there. And he jumps in and he's typing in horse types because he's trying to find one to buy. And he has this focused approach that this is what I want and so he will do anything that involves horses. You go to the library, he looks for horse books. His favourite movie is The Man from Snowy River because of all the horses. You know, I think probably every week we end up sitting down watching a horse movie somewhere. You know, I've seen Secretariat and Seabiscuit in the last week. And at the laugh, when he came in yesterday and jumped on the laptop, Dale just looked at me and she goes, he is so like you. So focused that, you know, this is it. There's nothing else. This is it. Absolutely. Strong in spirit. All right? And she said, he's so like, what? What's he saying? He reflects me. He's got some of my characteristics. And because I understand me a little bit, I understand him a little bit and I can empower him to actually put his faith towards that. And so he has his faith towards having a horse. <laughs> that's what it takes. But, but that's his faith, all right? Because he is like his dad. When he sets his mind on something, he sets his mind on something. You're like your dad. Your heavenly Father, you're made in His image. You reflect His character and His nature, but you also He has given you His authority through the words that you speak. Let's go to Romans chapter four, verse sixteen. I really want you to get this in your head because sometimes we sort of go, "Oh, how can it be?" All right, you're not God. I'm not saying you're God. I'm saying you're a child of God. That you are princes and princesses in his kingdom. And just like any prince or princess in a kingdom, they have power and authority. Romans chapter 4, are we there? Romans 4, verse 16. This is talking about Abraham. Are we okay with this so far? Therefore it is of faith that it might be according to the grace so the promise might be sure to all of the seed. Are you the seed of God? Are you a child of God? That's what it is to be a seed of God. You know, your children are your seed. If you're struggling with that one, we can have a talk later about how kids are made. (laughs) But they're called your seed. All right? You know, you think guys going out sowing their wild oats. You want good seed, not wild oats. <laughs> All right? Your children are your seed, so you are the seed of God. Not only to those who are of the law, but to those who are of the faith of Abraham, who was the father of us all. In other words, you have the blessing of Abraham on you. As is written, I made you a father of many nations in the presence of him who believed. God, who gives life to the dead and calls those things which did not exist as though they did. 
So God calls those things which do not exist as though they did. And he's talking about Abraham because he said to Abraham, I'm going to make you the father of many nations. And Abraham went, fantastic, but I'm barren and so is Sarah. But God called him. He changed his name from Abram to Abraham. Abraham means father of many nations. So God called him that 30 or so years before he even had a child. And he changed Sarai's name to Sarah, which means princess, mother of many. And he did that well before they had any children because God calls those things that are as though they aren't. And if God does that, he wants you to do that. So if you're believing to be out of debt, you can call yourself out of debt even if you're not. If you're believing for God to provide an area, you can speak that into your life before it even happens. See, that's the faith bit that we pray and we ask and we believe. And the key is to keep believing. Because that's what God does. It's what Jesus did. He called things that weren't as though they were. He had the, the, the wedding with the water into wine. He's there and he said to them, Look, go and fill the, the, bucket, the containers up with water. So they went and filled them up. All right, they're there and they've got water. And he said, okay, now go and take it to the MC and give him a drink of the wine. It's still water. But he's calling it what it isn't. Because he's calling it what he wants it to be. He had the ten lepers. And they're hanging around Jesus and he turns to ten lepers and he says, go and show yourself to the priest. Because the custom was if you had leprosy, you'd go to the priest if you were healed and they would check you over and give you a, like a clearance. You know, like there was a doctor's certificate. Here's a thing that says you are clean, you can come back into society. Because as a leper, you couldn't be a part of society. You had to stay away from people. So he says to the ten lepers, go and show yourself to the priest. They're still covered in leprosy. But he's speaking those things that aren't as though they are. And on the way there, what happens? They're healed. Had the situation where Jesus is teaching, it's a bit like this, you know, the room's full, there's no room. And the guys rock up, the four guys rock up with their friend on the mat who's crippled. And they can't get into the building. So they start pulling the roof off the house. And they lower the guy down. He's lowered in front of Jesus. What does Jesus say? Oh, you poor sick guy. Now he says to him, get up and walk. Now the guy can't walk. But what happens as he responds to the word of God? Because Jesus called those things that were, as even if they weren't. He's called those things that weren't as if they were. Let me get it right. And so he's calling the guy healed while he's still crippled. And the guy responds to the word of faith and gets up and is healed. This is what Jesus did. So how do you do it? It's really easy. Go to Mark 11. It's good to have your Bible in church, isn't it? In this passage, before we read this passage, Jesus did this with the fig tree. He's walking through. He sees the fig tree. It's got no figs on it. So he says, okay, fig tree, die. That's it. Your life is over. And the disciples looked at the tree and it still looked green and leafy. 
But what happens? That tree starts to die from the roots up. Because trees don't die from the leaves down, do they? When we see the leaves starting to turn a bit brown or yellow, you know there's something wrong with the rest of the tree. It's not getting enough water, it's not getting enough nutrients, whatever's going on. But it's not the least fault, it's what's happening down in the roots, isn't it? And that's what it is. When you, when you start to pray for God to bring financial breakthrough or healing breakthrough, whatever it is you believe in God, when you pray, the angels go to work and it starts working at the root of the problem. And you may not be able to see anything, but it's starting to work. And your debt is starting to die. That sickness is starting to die. Whatever the situation you're believing for is starting to die. And it starts to die and die. And then we go, oh, we can't see anything happen. So we start to lose faith and we start to speak the opposite. And what does that do? We water the situation and bring it back to life. All right? You know, I've got a lemon tree out the back that has had its struggles. Primarily because it's been hit by several balls, um, suffered through reticulation issues and all these sorts of problems, and my lack of gardening skills, which I'm working on. I'm going to start speaking the opposite there. My awesome gardening skills. Yeah. Hey, I come from the bush. If it lives, it lives. If it dies, well, hey. <laughs> but it's out there. And, and you know, when I see it start to go yellow, I know there's something wrong with my reticulation. Because for me, the lawn is no indicator. The front lawn gets driven over so much, it's a wonder it's still there. And the back lawn just takes an absolute beating through all the sport and everything else that goes on. So I can't go by the lawn. So I go by my lemon tree. If the leaves start turning yellow, I know there's something wrong with the reticulation. Or there's something wrong in the cell. And so I make my adjustments. All right? But it's happening well before the leaf turns yellow. Mark 11, after that, this is after the fig tree illustration, he says, have faith in God, verse 22. Or have a God kind of faith, or have the faith of God, is really what he's saying. For assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and cast in the sea, and doesn't doubt in his heart, but believes those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. The next verse says, therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe you receive them and you will have them. Now, if you ask something and you believe it, you know, if I said to Dale, can you get me a drink of water? And I believed that what I asked, that she would do what I asked. And she still sat there. But I believe she'll do it. Oh, here's a good one, actually. You know, we might go to bed in the evening and I'll jump into bed and pull out a book and start reading it. And Dale says, yeah, I'm coming to bed. <laughs> now, I've learnt over time that her word is true, but not necessarily in my time frame. <laughs> and, you know, and when I've finished two books... <laughs> Because she'll come down and say goodnight to the girls. And I don't know anything about my girls, but my girls talk. <laughs> and talk. 
and talk. And often that's the time they choose to unload. Why 10, 11 o'clock at night is the time to do that? It just is, all right? They're teenagers or the early 20s. And so sometimes it takes Dale a good hour or more to end up down there into the house. Now, do I believe the word that she said she's coming to bed? Yes, I believe it. Why do I believe it? Because I know her nature and I know her word is true. But it doesn't always happen in the time frame I think it's going to happen. Because she's working on something. All right? And God's the same. His word is true, isn't it? We can trust his word. If he says he will do it and we believe it, it'll be done. But sometimes he's working on something. Sometimes he's working on us, getting us ready. Now, what would happen if I went half an hour into it? She's not here. That's it. Come storming down this end of the house. And you said you were coming to bed. You know, you're not down there. I want to turn the light out. I'm really tired. I want to turn the light out. And when you come in, you wake me up. Oh, and had a big ha-ha. What's that going to do to the household? What's that going to do to our relationship? Now, occasionally, because she often has a phone with you, I'll pick up my phone and send her a text. Or I use all the emoticons and do little funny little stories with them. <laughs> Depends on how good the book is I'm reading, you know. <laughs> but coming down and having a halibut is not going to help anything or anyone. But that's what we do, isn't it? We get angry with God because it hasn't happened when we thought it should happen. And we start to throw our words out there. And if I did that in this household, what would happen? My words would kill seed. Because strife kills seed. Strife blocks the promises of God. He says, where there is unity, I command the blessing. And it's the same with us. We get, start using our words with God and we start to speak the opposite. You know, you said and it hasn't happened. How do you know it hasn't happened? How do you know that debt's not out there dying like my lemon tree from the root up? No, my lemon tree is living by the fig tree. How about we go to the fig tree? It's dying by the fig tree. Because they come out the next day, the disciples, they see the fig tree and they're going, hey, look, Jesus, it's dead. Jesus goes, yeah. What do you think? I cursed it. My words are powerful. Of course it's dead. You've got those same words in you. You've got the same authority Jesus had. You've got the same Holy Spirit in you. You're a child of God just like Jesus is. You're a joint heir with Jesus. So your words have that same power. And if it's taking time, it's probably your believing that needs to grow. You need to make room for God to do that. Because he says here, he says in his heart, but believes those things he says. And too often we do verse 24 and we get there and we pray and we ask God and then we get up and we speak the opposite. Oh man, how am I going to pay these bills? After you've just prayed, Lord, I pray your provision over my bills. So you ask him and then you get up and look at the bills and go, oh man, you've got to get your eyes off your bills. Get your eyes off your sickness. Because that achieves nothing except saps your faith and allows fear in. And if you find fear rising up and you're about to say the wrong thing, the best thing you can do is actually to shut up. And don't sit there and go, 
Oh, how am I going to pay this? You know how you're going to pay this. Because your God provides all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. That if you're a giver, he's going to give back to you in good measure, pressed down, shaken together and overflowing. The problem is that we keep killing off our seed. We put our seed in, we sow, we give our tithes, we give our offerings, we give to people in need, we meet a need because it says as you give, it's given back to you. And so we give generously and we give cheerfully and we go, fantastic, I've got some seed in the ground. And then we go and spray DHT over the whole thing. We out there with weed killer, spraying the good stuff. You know what, if you take weed killer and you spray it on your good plants, you know what happens to your good plants? They die. But that's what we do. We start to spray poison through the words that we speak upon our seed. Rather than protecting our seed through the words that we speak. If you can't say the right thing, if you're feeling afraid, then be quiet. Go and pick up the word of God and start reading what God's word says and say that. Because that's how you fertilize your seed. That's how you build your faith, is by taking the word of God and speaking it and speaking it. If you're believing for a financial breakthrough, turn the news off. Because I'm telling you right now, things aren't good out there. And they're probably going to get worse. Because our world is in trouble. You know what the solution is? The solution is you. Because God has given you dominion and authority over this earth. That whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth is loose in heaven. See, God is wanting to bless you so that as we go into this financial crisis that we're heading towards, you can stand up and go, having trouble with your mortgage? Let me pay your mortgage off. Let me tell you about Jesus while I'm at it. Because someone's going to listen to you. See, God blessed Abraham so he could be a blessing. And he says, you're the seed of Abraham because he wants to do the same thing with you. He wants to bless you so you can be a blessing. And you're sitting there going, well, I don't feel very blessed. Have you seen my finances? I've got my debt. I've got this situation. I don't know where the money's going to come from. It's not going to come through natural means. It's going to come through supernatural means. Because he says that when you give, he's going to give back to you good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and people are going to pour into your lap. And as she says in Ecclesiastes, he gives the, the wicked, the people who don't know Jesus, the job of going out and accumulating wealth. Do you know why? The next verse says, is so they can give it to you. It actually says that. But we've got caught up in the toil. The toil is, you know, working is not bad. Get that out of your head, all right, that it's bad. Working is good because God has a job for you to do. But toil is bad. Toil is where it drains you. Not where it grows you, but where it drains you. And it wears you out so that you can't be who God made you to be. You've got to find what God has for you to do and do that. Because he wants to bless you through that. But he actually has a situation where people out there will come and put money in your hands. You'll get promotions that you didn't know were there. You get pay rises when nobody else can get them. New opportunities will come your way. He will change legislation if he has to, to put money into your hands. He will. You just have to stay in that place of faith and not kill the seed off with the words that you speak. You need to be seeking him first. First. 
Secondly, putting the Word of God in. Thirdly, speaking the Word of God and speaking the Word of God and meditating on it and putting it in. Putting it in because out of your heart, your mouth will speak. So what you put in will come out. And if you're watching the news all the time and hearing about the financial crisis and bring that, it's good. that goes in, that's going to come out. And you're going to think, oh, there's no jobs out there. Unemployment's going up. <gasps> what am I going to do? But really what you need to be doing is going, it doesn't matter what's happening out there because my God supplies all my needs. And God has the perfect job for me. He has the perfect income for me. God takes care of it. I don't have to. Words like, I can't afford it. I don't have enough. I'll never be able to do that. Should never be in your vocabulary. You're a child of the Most High God who owns a cattle on a thousand hills. Says the silver and gold's all his. That's the silver and gold in the universe. Not just here on earth. We need to change how we think. Last verse is Isaiah 48, verse 17. Something to go away with. You're very sitting there going, okay, I want God to bless me. I want to, walk, I want to be out of debt. I want to walk in his blessing. Because he wants to bless you so you can bless others. You know that, don't you? Oh, you, you'll have, the, you'll have the, the cream off the top. You'll be living off the top of the barrel. That's his plan. The rest of the barrel is there for you to bless others. And everyone knows the top of the barrel is the best bit. It's like the old cream, you know, that used to come in the thing. The best the milk, sorry, the milk that used to come in the, in the bottles. The best bit was when you popped open the top and the cream was on top. All right, my uncle had a dairy farm in New Zealand. I didn't like the getting up at 3, 4 o'clock in the morning to go and milk the cows. But I didn't like it when breakfast came around and the milk was in the vat. And we used to go in there and literally scoop off the cream in the vat for breakfast. Whoa, it was awesome. <laughs> and everyone's artery said. <laughs> <laughs> but that's how God wants you to live. He actually wants to bless you so much so you can be a blessing to others. He wants to use your wealth so that you can help others to get free. So use it. It's an evangelistic tool. People have to listen to you when you buy them a car. They can't help but listen to you when you take them out of their situation where they are broke, poor, and desperate, and you help them. That's how God wants you to be. But it's not going to be by the world system. It comes by seeking him first and then doing what he says to do. Isaiah 48, verse 17. Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer. Don't you like that? He's your Redeemer. Struggling with sickness, struggling with debt, he's redeemed you. Redeemed means you've been set free. He's your redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. I am the Lord your God who teaches you to what? He teaches you to prophets who leads you by the way you should go. In other words, God actually has a plan for you to profit. He does not want you broke. That was never his plan. His plan was for you to profit. But the problem is that we're not listening to his plan. We're trying to do it by our plan. 
I don't know about you, but my plans haven't worked so far. But when I've started walking in his plans, they suddenly start working. He starts making ways through. I told you about the first house I buy. You know, when we try to do it our way, we end up with a situation where we're going to be homeless. We couldn't afford to rent. We couldn't afford to buy. We were getting, had to move out of our house because the people who wanted it, owned it wanted it back. My only alternative was to put a caravan in my parents' backyard. And I love my parents. But I don't enjoy living in their backyard. That's not my kind of living. Especially since we're in a youth group with about 40 kids. It doesn't really work in a caravan. In the middle of that, God gave us what ended up being one quarter the price of a property in cash. And then he dropped that property, what are we, by a full third in price. That's how God works. Because we did it his way. So essentially by the end of it, The property was almost half in value by the time we bought it. In fact, it was. By the time we bought it, with what he gave us in cash and what he dropped the price, it was half of what it was originally listed for, is what we paid. That's God. And then you know what? It was the only property in that whole area that was able to be subdivided. Because it had this alleyway at the back that the council decided to close in. And they gave it to us for a dollar. Because we were 10 square metres short of being a subdividable property. And I gained about 25 square metres. You know what? I sold that subdivided property for the other half. That's God. And we sold it ourselves, so we didn't even in the agent's conditions. That's God. You know what? People who... We're in the money, said to us, don't buy there. It's the worst part of town. Don't get that house. You don't want to be there. It's got a horrible crime rate. It's the worst place you to be. You know, the only crime we had there was when someone took my bike, which I feel sorry for them. <laughs> they took it because I left it out the front because the thing was absolutely had it. I'd had it for about 10 years. Resprayed it twice. You know, it was, it was done. It's like, bless them. They obviously really needed something. It saved me taking to the tip. That was the only bit of crime we have. When we lived in our previous place, which was in the most desirable area, we got broken into twice. One time someone broke in and stole all the meat from our freezer. <laughs> they must have been hungry. <laughs> I'm seriously, they broke in through the bedroom, walked past my credit card and cash sitting by the bedside table and went to the freezer and took the meat. But that's God. We had no trouble in that house. And it was a blessing to us. Because when you do things God's way, he goes, I've got a better way. And it was a blessing to us the whole time we had it. But you've got to stay in faith. You've got to stay in faith with your words. If you ask him, write down specifically what you're believing for and believe him for it and ask him for it. And when you've asked, what do you do? You thank him. 
The words you give, thank you, God, you have done this. Thank you, God, I'm out of debt. Thank you, God, for my new home. Thank you, God, that I have my car that actually runs. Thank you, God, for whatever it is you're believing for. My bills are paid, that my body is healed, that my relationships are restored. Get a verse from God, speak it, pray it, and then thank Him for it. Because you're in the patient stage. And patience is positive. It's a good thing. It builds you up. It puts your trust more and more in God because what you've got to do is keep going back to his word and putting it in and putting it in. You will have your breakthrough. You know how I know? Because God's word says you'll have your breakthrough. And God's word is truth. But you have to stay in the word. It may not come the way you expect, so stop trying to make it happen. That's not trusting in God. That's you trying to take control. Stop doing that. Stay in patience. Stay in his word. Stay seeking him first. And do whatever he tells you. And you will have your breakthrough. Dale said to me this week, how long are we going to keep preaching on, on finances? And I said, oh, we think I'll probably have the month. And you know, I thought, you know what? We're going to keep preaching until we have a breakthrough. How often we do that, you know, we, we step into something and we start doing something, we go, oh, that's enough now. We don't want people getting upset and tired and so we step into something else. And we haven't had our breakthrough yet. I say we keep going till we get our breakthrough. Yeah? I, I, know, I know it gets squashy in here. I know that it's hard parking out the front sometimes and, and a bit of fun. And I had a call from someone this week who said, oh, we're thinking of coming to your church. And I'm going, that's fantastic. And thinking, how do we fit another five people in? Um, you know? But you know what? I say we keep going until we get our breakthrough. You know, I'm not leaving here until I know exactly what God wants us to do. Is it inconvenient? Absolutely. Do I enjoy setting up every Sunday morning? Not really. You know, I think this vac- floor gets vacuumed four times something over a weekend and mopped a couple of times and things like that. It's, it's not always easy when you're waiting on God to do what he needs to do. And this is the pressure that comes. Satan starts to put pressure on because he wants you to let go of your seed. Because when you let go, he can grab it. He has no authority of his own. He only has what you let go of. But we need to seek him first. Seek our God first. And his way of living, and he will add all these things unto you. But stay in faith. Speak what you want to happen. Pray it. Get God's word on it. And hold on to it. That's how you live for God. And I say we keep going until we get our breakthrough because it's here. We're in that time. Father, we bless you. We thank you for this time together. We thank you that you have given us power and authority in our words to bind and loose. So, Father, I loose right now in the name of Jesus prosperity upon every person here in Jesus' name. Father, for those who are believing for breakthrough, Lord, for those who are in desperate situations, for those who are struggling, Lord, financially, Father, I speak in that situation right now, and I speak breakthrough in Jesus' name. Breakthrough in Jesus' name. We speak to every demon that is coming and putting pressure on. We rebuke you now in the name of Jesus, and we cut off your access. No weapon formed against us will prosper. And we choose to walk in your ways, Father. 
And I speak breakthrough now in the name of Jesus. Lord, where there is sickness, I speak healing now in the name of Jesus. There be breakthrough. That you be glorified through each one of us in Jesus' name. Amen.